this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough, and today I'm joined by Marjorie Wildcraft, and um, we're going to talk about, well, we're going to talk about getting started growing food, kind of the biggest hurdle and uh, what you're going to face, and really, I feel like just how easy it is to get started, really, you know, so maybe you got some things you want to talk to us about on that, Marjorie, but um, welcome to the Absolutely, podcast. Absolutely, yes. First of all, thanks for, for, for having me here. I'm you know, super stoked. I'm chatting with you beforehand. I'm like, I love all the topics on every single interview you've we, done. It's amazing. Yeah. I wish I could get 48. All. Yeah. I wish I could get 48 hours in a day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my days are long enough. I don't want 48 hour days. <laughs> well, uh, I, I feel like most of my audience probably knows who you are. You've been, you've been in this, uh, this realm for quite a while, uh, you know, convincing people they should be growing food and, and telling them how to get started doing it. And so I know, I know a lot of people do know who you are, but for those who don't, can you give us a little bit of a, just how you yeah. got here and who you are? Sure. Yeah. So I never had any intention of ever growing food, like who in their right mind would want to do that? You know, like in my first degree as electrical engineering, I always wanted to live overseas, managed to become an expat in Hong Kong. And for Motorola, I was an engineering manager there. And while I was there, I also grew up in a really poor family. I was always interested in money. And, and somebody said, hey, Marjorie, you got to go to this class by this guy named Robert. And I said, do we any, know any, nobody knew anything about it? Well, well, take a chance, you know. And this guy blew my mind with his understanding of money. And it inspired me ultimately to leave engineering and to create a real estate investment business in Austin, Texas, that was so successful that Robert asked me to be a testimonial on his infomercial, selling Rich Dad Poor Dad. It was Robert Kiyosaki. Oh, interesting. So yeah, so as you know, I mean, life is good, right? I've got a lot of mostly passive income. We started a family, you know, had a husband, two small kids, and I'm volunteering. Like I love to be out in the community. I'm volunteering on this project we thought was a slam dunk. And I had no idea that this was going to completely upend my life. Uh, and the project was to get locally grown food into the just a small elementary school. And then the president of the Texas Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association, Steve Bridges at the time was a, a friend of mine. And he was like, yeah, let's get this going and we'll replicate it across Texas. It'll be amazing. We were all so happy. Uh, and that project was a complete and utter failure because um, there just weren't enough farmers. I mean, Texas is still a rural, you know, agricultural state. There were not enough organic farmers to provide even part of the vegetables for one small rural elementary school. Wow. And and Texas has some big counties, and yeah. I I'll, I'll never forget we were in the Red Rock Community Center. We'd been meeting there regularly, and I was the one who would you know get the facilities and close it up. And I don't know how the everybody just left because you know we all knew there's only four days worth of food supply in the grocery stores, and that everything is trucked in fifteen hundred miles, and 
you know, we're surrounded by 20 million Texans who are all armed to the teeth. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. this could be all. And I'm like, I have two small kids. And and uh, I honestly, I started just physically shaking. I mean, I could hardly get the chairs underneath the table. I was, and or, or turn the lights off or get the door closed. You know, I just shaking. And then I'd all the, the only thought that would run through my head was, was farmers from come from gardeners. And I, have got to learn how to grow food. And, and, um, and then very soon as anybody who starts to learn how to grow food realizes you can't do it on your own and I've got to teach other people how to grow food. And I, it was a tough road for a while because, you know, people were like, Marjorie, that is never, we're never going to have supply chains. This is the United States of America, you know, or nothing like that could ever happen. (laughs) And then, you know, we have, 2008 and we have covid and yeah you know people are realizing hey yeah this this is a real thing but i at back at the time i thought i was crazy and um like you know our family wasn't invited to family gatherings for certain things <laughs> wow. you know friends disappeared <laughs> yeah and but i just couldn't i had panic attacks i couldn't sleep at night and i just took every single you know, gardening course, citizen forester, permaculture, homesteading, hanging out with barefoot crazies in the national forest. I mean, anywhere that people were growing food or figuring out how to feed themselves without the grocery store, I wanted to know what they were doing and how to do it. And eventually I really figured it out, which in Texas, Central Texas is a very, very tough um, bioregion to grow in. Like you, we used to joke and say, we get the apocalypse every year you <laughs> get flooding and drought and grasshoppers and you know, everything every year yeah you know right the the long story short is is i ended up creating the whole grow network and um just one thing after another you, it's hard to have a business with one product so i always had dental problems and i found out all kinds of stuff to alternatives to dentists and then we were doing more in home medicine and mm-hmm. then we were like how do you build a greenhouse and we just kept making more and more products and teaching and and creating i said i want a community of people so we created the forums and i'm in the forums every day it's so much fun there's so many cool people there so um yeah and it's kind of become a big thing now. So that's yeah. the story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, uh, you've been all over the place. I think when you even on an episode of like doomsday preppers or something. I was, yeah. I, I can't believe it. Yeah. National <laughs> geographic, you know, they, I said, I am not going to be your subject. Right. But I will come in as an expert. And so they had me come in as an expert. Okay. Yeah. Living. That's better yeah. than being the subject. Cause yeah, they, no, I did not want to be, I'm like, no. real good light on some folks there. <laughs> no, they, and I, uh, that was a, that was a real eye-opening experience. Those people are not at all about education or help or anything like they're all about ratings. And they would, they were asking us to do all kinds of stuff all the time. You had to have real clear boundaries. Like, no, I am not going to milk a rabbit. I'm serious. They wanted me to milk a rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) A rabbit that I was going to butcher. It was a mom, right? No, I am not going to, that's like fundamentally wrong on so many ways, you know, but yeah, they want to be, they wanted to show that just the most extreme things on that, that show. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Interesting. (laughs) Well, I I kind of figured that was the background with that, but I I was, I never heard anyone actually say, but I kind of assumed that's kind of the way it was. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But but because you've been out there helping people and you've been, you're promoting that. I mean, you, you were on the radar for folks to reach out to for things like that, obviously, because you are helping a lot of people and you have, you know, shown a lot of people how to grow food. 
no matter where they're at, which I think is really important because I, I run into all the time, these folks who, you know, just say, you know, when I get, I, I used to be one of these people too, when mm -hmm. I get enough land and when I'm, you know, in a certain situation, then I'll start homesteading. Then I'll start growing my own food. Then I'll start doing all these things I want to do. And, and I had to learn and I've tried to convince so many other people. And I think you have too, that you need to start right where you're at because there's so much you can do no matter where you're at. You can do a lot right there. There sure is. There sure is. And just start, you know, just start, even yeah. if it's just getting a jar and sprouting some sprouts, you know, or a couple of herbs on the windowsill or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It just, 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 just do it. And yes, thank you so much because we have, yeah, now at this point it's, it's been several million people that we've helped or interacted with over the years in, in one way or another. And, um, you know, I, I, um, I no longer have any emotional upset about anything that comes. And that's because I have the skills to take care of myself, you know, so I mm -hmm. no longer have that kind of anxiety. Um, but the problem has not gone away. <laughs> you know, yeah, if sure. anything, yeah. we're more closer to it today than we've ever been. So Yeah. And it's, and you know, everybody, it's really easy to say, well, I don't need to, I don't need to prepare. I don't need to be that serious about it because you know, it's, it's not going to happen. But the reality is it may not be like, an end of the world event, it just might be, it might be something local to your area that causes a lot of, you know, I mean, we prepare for, you know, the bigger things, but then it prepares us for the smaller events that can even happen localized in your area as well. Yeah. I, you know, and I don't want to go into gloom and doom now, but as this is being recorded, you know, we've got the whole Israeli Hamas thing ramping up and, and it's, it's really clear that this is an or to me that this is an orchestrated event and that they do want to create a world war um and it's it's, it's always on the i always feel like the i mean as long as i can remember i'm in my 50s now but I, as long as i can remember it seems like it's always been you know the possibility is always there you know yeah. there, there's some event going on in the world that presents a possibility at any time yeah well you know i also like you know um people are talking about famine. I said, we've been in famine in America for quite a few, like a couple of decades now. And they're like, huh? Maybe not like, calorie wise, but nutrition wise for there's, sure. Exactly. There's no <laughs> nutrition in the grocery store. Yeah. Like, and we used to, you know, be a perimeter, forget the perimeter. Now there's no perimeter. There's nothing in the perimeter either. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. There. Yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned the, um, the summits that, that I hosted. God, I think I did 10 or 11 oh this is so much yeah, fun you yeah. get 40 presentations and all it's like your podcast all in one weekend you know kind yeah, of yeah yeah everything just yeah, all, really every, all topic you want yeah and and one year um dave asprey was my my mm -hmm. keynote speaker and i i don't know you know you you look like you know who dave is but yeah, for, for those who, who don't he's um super wealthy guy big 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 famous podcaster who's really into longevity and uh, he has a, a stated goal to live to 180 years old. And I heard I heard recently somebody said, hey, did you know his supplement bill every month is $14,000? And I said, that's ridiculous. But I mean, because of the podcast, he's always on the cutting edge science with cryogenics and nootropics and stem cell therapy and all kinds of stuff I can't even figure, <laughs> you know, I can't even pronounce, right? And you would say, well, why would he be a keynote speaker on a homegrown food summit talking to you, Marjorie? You know, like why would, why that, that, you know, I said, yeah, you know why is pretty much every centenarian interviewed. That is the kind of centenarian you want to be, you know, like the kind that's out 
still out in the garden or running around involved in their community, you know, clear, sharp, can think, you know, Mm -hmm. not the centenarian dragging an oxygen tank or an IV or bedridden, you know, the ones that are really vibrant and healthy. Well, for most of their life, they had access to, or most of them actually grew their own food. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Dave Asprey has a 12 acre home. And I don't think he's actually growing a lot of it himself, but um, yeah, he's got his own food supply yeah. and it's, it's the foundation of longevity. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I believe, I mean, I know you don't know my story, but I mean, I had cancer, you know, uh, 12 years ago and, you know, and it was from poor eating. I mean, it was colon cancer. I was eating garbage, you know, uh-huh. and just every, every three meals a day I'm eating now. I mean, just eating garbage all the time uh-huh. and for decades doing that. And then you know, I knew what the problem was. I knew I couldn't keep that up forever, but I didn't think it'd be forever. I thought, well, someday I'll stop doing that, grow my own food, do my thing. Someday came really fast. So, oh, you know, I did a total yeah. lifestyle change, grew my own food, started just living, you know, from the food that we're growing and raising. And for the most part, and, you know, just did a 180 on the health, you know, and, um, and it does. Yeah. Food is uh, definitely medicine and food can keep you healthy. And when you grow your own, it's even a deeper connection. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. No, I didn't know your story, but that's, that's just fantastic. I, I love hearing that. I, you know, actually a good part of the whole grow network community is, is people who have discovered it that way through some kind of yeah. major health crisis and said, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I, I, I often say the process of growing food is actually more beneficial to your health than actually eating the high quality food. <laughs> I think <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, being outside in the sunshine mm-hmm. and your hands uh, in the, in the dirt and, and you know, you're, you're working with the forces of creation, you know, your hands, right? You're working with nature. You're working. It is so amazing. It just, I'm sure, you know, there's just all kinds of like, whoa, do, 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 do. Did that just happen? You know, <laughs> you know, like kind of events and it's wonderful. So, yeah, yeah. I, I've made that statement many times that, yeah, the, the nutrition that comes from my garden is only really half of that benefit. I mean, like I said, like you said, just being out there, hands in the dirt and doing the things and just the passion you develop for it. I mean, it just, uh, there's something about it that just excites you and keeps you healthy. Just, just being out there and doing it. Yeah. Just two days ago, I was out in Las Marias, which is like an hour drive from here, way off in these crazy roads in the back mountains at this nursery for this other guy who's a plant collecting fanatic just to get some species that are kind of rare. You know, it's like that, right? Like, oh, I got to have this tree. <laughs> so, yeah, it's great. You know, Yeah, I love, and I, I love that. Most people who do start gardening develop a passion for it like that. And why so many of them start YouTube channels and Instagram accounts, start sharing their garden experiences because it excites them and they want to share that. And they want others to share in that excitement as well because they know the difference it's made in their lives. And, and yeah, that's why, I mean, it's, <laughs> probably why I started a podcast in the beginning, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you've been, you obviously you, you have a passion to see people growing their own food, but you also see there's a lot of hurdles out there keeping people from growing their own food. So what would you say are maybe some of the biggest hurdles or the biggest hurdle for people growing their own food? Yeah. The, the biggest hurdle. Um, so I think a lot of people are very aware that we have various narratives being foisted upon us. You know, I mean, the television is very clear. Hey, thanks for joining our program. Like, yes, we're programming you. (laughs) Thanks for letting us program you, you know? And I'm personally, I have been opening up more and more and more. It's just mind boggling how much has been the narrative. And it it dawned on me. And and I'm going to be honest with you, the grow network and the business I have has been a real 
challenge, right? It's a very niche business, right? Nobody wants to grow food. And it's, you know, it's been a real challenge for it to be as big and successful as it is, is just a testament to incredible tenacity and, and hard work. And I've often wondered, why is it so hard when this is like such an obvious solution to so many problems, you know, and then more and more, like, I can give you the one brief thing is a, a friend of mine said, hey, Marjorie, you got to watch this Netflix series on Extraordinary Attorney Woo. And it's about this autistic attorney and a great little feel good um, Netflix series. And classically, there's an episode where there's a farmer who gets into some problems with his brother's. And they portray the farmers as this dumb, uneducated guy. And it just like, that's it right there. Everywhere that you can see, they're portraying growing food as either some poor migrant worker who can't do anything else or, you know, the, that a farmer or somebody's growing food is kind of stupid. Or So the biggest hurdle is actually looking at the programming that you have been exposed to pretty much all your life and realizing that that is complete BS. Uh, I Nothing could be further than, from the truth about growing food. It's just delightful and it's rewarding. And yeah, it is challenging, but, you know, it's wonderful. And I, I really understand clearly that the reason this programming exists is because then you also become independent. Yeah. I've met all kinds of folks who, who grow their food. And, 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 you know, I've, some folks are, you know what, they just, it's for some folks they just take a really simple approach and they plant simple things in a simple garden and things happen and, they, you know, it just grows and they collect their food and then you get, I've met so many people who are just scientific about it and they, they're really into, you know, growing their soil and, you know, the microbiology and really developing. And I mean, we're talking, you know, uh, high tech solutions to, to growing the most nutrient dense, mm -hmm. you know, food they can grow. And I mean, there's so many approaches to it. Yeah. But absolutely not. Um, uh, it, I, that stereotype is just not accurate at all though. Just, just, just watch the media. The next time yeah. you see something, you, I had a friend of mine, and, and this is a little deviation, but it, it shows you just the power of this this programming. So a really wonderful friend of mine came over to visit to do a, a soil survey on this wetland that we're trying to get into a community food forest here. Anyway, uh, she and I got into a discussion um, and and about democracy. And I said, we, we do not live in a democracy. And she goes, Marjorie, that's your opinion. And I said, no, it's a it's a fact. We, we don't live in a democracy. And she said, no, no, no. That's your opinion. And I said, no, no, there's not some conspiracy weird out of the left field thing. This We really don't live in a democracy. And she goes, huh? And I'm like, no. And so I take her to the CIA fact book, which is a pretty good website for facts. And right there, and anybody listening, you can go do this, CIAfactbook.com or org or what, .gov or whatever, and look up the United States government and it says, while it's commonly believed that the U.S. government is a democracy, it's actually an elected republic. And uh, I said, hey, Cassandra, repeat with me the Pledge of Allegiance. And she goes, OK, <laughs> I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for <laughs> which it stands. And I said, Cassandra, every time you hear that word democracy, I want you to think about how a lot of things that are presented to us are not what they are and that whatever is going on in the world and however it's structured, there's a lot of mirages. <laughs> oh, yeah. So and growing your own food and how hard it is or difficult or challenging or, you know, that, you know, or demeaning, 
that's another one of those democracy narratives. So uh, I'd say that's the biggest obstacle is is uh, is your own your own mind and your own attitude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, it's easy to say it's lack of land or it's government overreach or all these things, but really all those things can be overcome with some creativity and just having a mindset that says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make something happen. I'm going to put some food on my table that comes from my property. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I just, I'm, I'm going to eat something today that I grew myself. Yeah. yeah. Well, that and kind of brings us to your system. I mean, it's, you know, a person doesn't have to grow all their food. I mean, you want to start at a certain place and grow into that. And and you've kind of developed some systems for that, haven't you? Well, and it's actually kind of a myth that you can grow all. I mean, you can grow all of it, but you really, you need a community of people. It's going to be a pretty bland life if you just yeah, eat right? a few things you, know, that you grow. <laughs> yeah. You know, one example is this, you know, I had chickens and gardens and we had uh, beef cattle. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, and rabbits. And so we had, a, you know, we had, you know, we had food coming in and mm-hmm. just one neighbor that we began to trade with. And he had goats and bees and, of course, gardens and chickens. But that just expanded all of a sudden. Now, yeah. now, now we had honey and cheese and goat meat. And, you know, there was this whole... It just expanded our culinary horizons sure. a huge amount just yeah. by one other, you know, the power of community is incredible. Yeah, yeah. So all these years and, you know, I got into this because I was completely freaked out. Um, so I've been and and I'm you know, like, oh, oh, my God, people. And then after, you know, working to create the grow network, I'm like, people are not going to really change until there's a crisis. So we have to figure out what are the easiest and the simplest and the most accessible, but the most productive ways to grow food that are going to help people in a crisis. Mm -hmm. And so I picked the three elements that are the simplest and the easiest and the most accessible to say, you know, your average American who probably is overweight and probably, you know, um, well, certainly they don't know anything. Um, Yeah. And maybe they're older. Uh, So, you know, people that have some physical challenges. And so I, you know, I created this, uh, this three simple three part system and it i can show very easily how you can produce at least half of your own food in a backyard sized space with just these three components yeah. and i in the webinar i go through the you know the calories it generates the nutrition it generates what it looks like to operate on a day to day basis you know what you need to build what you need to get in place um and 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 how to do it because we're yeah. <laughs> like I said, the the there still aren't I'm glad to see that regenerative farming is coming back, but there's nowhere near we have to rebuild an entire food system. So um it's gonna yeah. take a while. Yeah. You know, and, and we were talking about before we started the podcast how you know maybe maybe this audience already, you know, is doing that. But I was telling you that I run into people all the time. Our most popular podcast episodes are ones where we talk about like beginning steps or, you know, getting started or whatever. We went to this homestead conference uh, a couple weeks ago and the, you know, and people were just, I was asking people, raise your hand if you're not doing anything in homesteading, people raising their hand. There's so many people that are interested in it, but aren't doing anything yet. 
and yeah. they need something simple. They need to understand the basics and get started and just have a, something laid out for them that says, this is how you do it. And I think what you got here is make it real easy for folks. And and I, I like that because it seems like there's just this hurdle that, that you can talk about it and, and it just, I don't know, it goes in one ear, not the other, but they need to see something that they can actually apply to their property or their home. Yeah. Well, let's start, let's start with the, the first component and, um, and people are always going, oh, Marjorie, she's all about gardening. Come on, everybody's always like gardening, gardening, gardening. And I'm like, you know what? A garden is definitely an essential, but um, chickens, a, a small backyard flock of chickens are, I really recommend people get, first of all, you can do it at any time of year, right? They're, they're going to produce less in, in cold climates. Sure. And actually, if you're in a, a far north climate, you might consider ducks instead of chickens because they are they, you know, chickens are naturally jungle fowl and you really do want your livestock as close as it is to its native environment, the less you're going to have to feed it and take care of it. And, you know, ducks are definitely more acclimated to Northern climates in general, but, you know, let's just say poultry or chicken, we'll use chickens from now on. But, um, so, you know, a laying hen produces about 250 eggs a year. And they take some time off, as as you know, to molt their feathers and if it gets too hot or too cold. And in the wintertime, production does drop if it's if it's real cold, but about 250 eggs a year. So I really recommend people get a flock of six backyard laying hens. By the way, you do not need a rooster. They will lay hens, they will lay eggs just fine without a rooster. And uh, where I live here, it's perfectly acceptable. Roosters are going off everywhere all the time. I live in Puerto Rico. <laughs> There are feral chickens. I mean, it's crazy. But in most places, you will not be, you know, you don't want to annoy your neighbors. <laughs> right. You're not wanting to do that. And you don't need to. You can lay eggs without without a rooster. Six laying hens doing 250 eggs a year. That's 1,500 eggs a year. Very simple math. Um, that's three egg omelets for breakfast every day of the year. So mm-hmm. you have breakfast covered. Like, by getting a couple of laying hens. And then you'll have three, 33 dozen eggs left over to barter or trade or, you know, uh, give away or other cooking or, or whatever. And and an egg is uh, just a beautifully nutritious packet of protein and fat and all kinds of nutrients. And when people, and let me give you an, a quick visual of those nutrients, the yolk so an egg, you know, we know the white, you know, the clearer stuff, right? The album and the albium. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. And then there's the yolk is the yellow part. Well, when a when a rooster fertilizes a hen, there's a little tiny speck in the egg where the genetic material meets. And then that will begin to grow into the baby chick. The white clear stuff is just protein. It's just, you know, basically a material. All of the nutrients all of the minerals and vitamins and fats and things that that chick is going to need in order to go from being slime to being something with beaks and eyes and legs and wings and, you know, a digestive system and have enough strength to peck out of that shell and then have enough strength that it can go for like two or three or sometimes four days without eating normally while it's waiting for all of its uh, clutch mates to peck out of the shell. Um, that's all in that egg yolk. Like yeah. 
that's a superfood. Yeah. <laughs> that is an incredible superfood. You know, I, I probably what I eat the most of. <laughs> I, I eat a lot. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So the reality of, and then in the webinar, there is a, I've got, the, we'll show you the plans or what it looks like, but really it's about 120 square feet, like the size of a parking lot, a parking spot for a car. You can yeah. have a, you can have a coupe and a run. You know, it's great if you can let them out in the yard from time to time, so they, you know, because the the real tear up the run pretty quickly. But you can have this going. I mean, you get if you're not handy, you if you're handy, you can build the thing. It would only really take you know a couple of weekends. If you're not handy, hire somebody or you know talk somebody into it, whatever. But you could basically, you know, you build the coop and run, set up your feed and water before you buy your chickens. Uh, you know. Pick up some chickens on Craigslist list or, you know, go to a local farm store. But really within a couple of weeks, you can pre be producing breakfast every morning, right? Yeah. Like it's incredible. And uh, according to the USDA, I love Joel Salatin. He calls them the US duh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, is it, is it, I think it's, is it 64 calories or is it 94 calories? for a medium-sized egg. Anyway, when you add up the 1,500 eggs, it ends up being about 90, uh, 92,000 calories um, that these hens will produce for you mm -hmm. in a year. And, you know, if you're going to do, let's say, a 2,000-calorie diet, that's going to be 300. And, and um, we're talking about half. You know, that's going to be 365,000 uh, uh, calories that you need to create. So, uh, you know... Um, you you got a pretty good chunk of it there just with eggs. So yeah, that's what we go over in, in the webinar. And I really recommend it. And for people who live in an apartment or townhome and you're like, I can't have chickens. Like I totally understand. You're not going to be able to get quite that same production, but quail are amazing. And uh, I have grown quail and I've got a, a friend now who's growing. I set her up with it just to Make, you know, have somebody else doing it. <laughs> There's a lot of people mm -hmm. in the grow network that are doing it. Uh, and she's got um, either 10 or 12 quail going all the time in her living room. Um, they, they're they not songbirds, but their their sound is, is you know, fairly pleasant. It's not unpleasant. Uh, you definitely, you know, daily, you're going to be keeping up with, with hygiene with them, but they're not particularly odiferous. Um, and you'll be producing 10 or 12 quail eggs a day. And I would say yeah. like three quail eggs equivalent to a chicken egg. So mm -hmm. that's a, uh, that's what I've been going with. I, I have, I have Caternix quail and uh, oh, do you? Yeah. yeah, I've had yeah. as many as a hundred at a time. Oh my goodness. I mean, I don't keep near that many, but I have had that many before. Yeah. Was that your video where you were talking about like smoked or preserving the, the, the quail eggs? <laughs> yeah. We, well, yeah, I, we, I've done lots with the quail eggs, lots of quail. I mean, I have a meat, just a constant meat production and, and egg production. So yeah, we mm -hmm. have a lot of, I mean, it's a very productive bird if you, if you got it set up right. And, uh, I've never, I don't know if I'd want to raise them in an apartment, but you could absolutely. I mean, I know a lot of people are doing it in a garage and that seems to work out really, really well, but yeah, uh, yeah they don't take up a lot of space. And like you said, not, not a difficult bird to raise and three, three of those eggs. And thing is, I mean, uh, three hens. Uh, basically it's it, to me, it's equal with a chicken because a chicken obviously needs a little bit more room than a quail, but three of them are probably about the same as a chicken. So it, it comes out about the same really. And um, yeah, you still have a way of get, getting some eggs and some meat. Yeah. So, I mean, you can do it. I, in, in hard times, you would be astonished when I, I went to Cuba oh, yeah. in, in, in 2012 to interview people that had 
in early 1990s, the uh, Soviet Union, when the Soviet Union collapsed uh, and the last ship sailed out of Havana Harbor, you know, the Cuban economy just plummeted like overnight, 60%, like everything just stopped. The lights went out, the water quit running. You know, actually during that period, the average Cuban lost 20 pounds. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was crazy. And I went to interview people to talk to them, like, what was that like? You know, what was, you know, what was, what were your, anyway, that was, that's a whole nother conversation. But uh, this one woman was telling me, you know, we were, the bathroom, um, none of the plumbing worked. So we turned it and we, she lived in a, an apartment. She said, we, we got a pig and we raised the pig in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God, <laughs> that's well, hard I mean, times, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look back, I mean, you look in, in the history of the United States. I mean, you look at like during the, the periods of the victory gardens and things, and you'd see the posters that say, uncle Sam says, put a pig in your backyard, you know, mm -hmm. and the, talking to city people and, and because they knew there was a food crisis, there could be a food crisis. So they was really encouraging folks to do whatever, to grow some food, you know, have a pig, and have chickens, have a garden. Right where there, you're at. there were a lot of pigs in backyards in Cuba when mm -hmm. I went, there, even even though the crisis has long passed. So, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but I mean, raising it in the apartment, in your bathroom, I thought that, you know, she was like, yeah, that was, that was something. That would be, yeah, that, that'd be more than I want to do. But like I said, yeah, like you said yeah. tough times, you know, tough, tough decisions. Tough, what are you, you going to do, right? Yeah, yeah. right. It's yeah. more important to eat than, <laughs> I guess, you'll deal with what you got to deal with. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's amazing what you can do when you're in a have-to situation. But that's the problem. We, we need to be in a, in a place where we don't end up in that have-to situation. You know, if we can be slightly prepared to even up scale what you're doing in a, in a situation got tough that that's always nice it's one reason i do like rabbits because you can just keep a small amount of rabbits on but if you ever need to up that production it can happen really really fast it can happen real fast yeah yeah yeah, yeah i love rabbits i i love them i I like them because they're herbivores, and and if we can make the distinction, people are like, well, I'm like, no, if if things really get pretty hard, you're not going to be eating a lot of chicken, and they're like, why? Why aren't you raising chicken for meat? And I said, because chickens are omnivores, and they really compete for food that humans like, you know, grain mm -hmm. and vegetables and stuff like that. Whereas rabbits can turn stuff that I can't really eat, like grass and forbs and forage, mm -hmm. they can turn that into protein and fat. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so rabbits are fantastic, and they're quiet, and they're cute. Yep. Actually, them being cute is a little bit of a problem. Yeah, because but you I mean, really can raise those anywhere. Even you can, you really can. Yeah, you can raise them. And I, I there was a young, there was a woman I interviewed. Gosh, this was more than a decade ago. She lived in um, West Plains, Missouri, and, and she had rabbits in the house. And what she did, uh, especially in the wintertime, was she um, raised, grew for fodder for them in fodder trees. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and yeah, just like sprouted weed or something for them and, and yeah. had a whole system for, for fodder for them. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it is an animal. It's a, it's very realistic to be able to feed them year round and, and forage for them. Or, you know, if, if you're in a position where you just couldn't purchase food, you can, you can absolutely feed a rabbit. So it is a good preparedness animal. It's one of the reasons I keep them around. Just don't eat a ton of it anymore, but, you know, just keep them and have one occasionally and just keep the rotation going a little bit, keep them young. But just one, I'm here. It's just a, I feel like it's, to me, it's one of the, it's probably the best preparedness animal. Exactly. Yeah. The last, in, in the seventies. So, you know, I don't know how, how, how many of you out there are, are a little older and you remember the seventies, I was just kind of becoming a teenager for, for a lot of that. But 
man, backyard rabbits just raged because, you know, we were having inflation. We were having the, the economy slowing down. There was stagflation. Gosh, I think mortgage interest rates were like at 18 or 20 percent and mm. gasoline. You had to walk, wait around a block to get a couple of gallons. Yeah. And that, there was just insanity. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty crazy decade. Uh, yeah, rabbits and people people were all he- leaving out of the city and going to live on communes or eco villages. And <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the big back to the land movement, and... back to the land movement, and rabbits. Yeah. Man, there were so many rabbits back then because it's a great backyard food production. So. I don't think it's ever went away. A lot of folks are, are still really yeah. committed to, to raising rabbits and for their meat source. And yeah, I think it's a good one, but yeah, chickens. I, I mean, I do like, that's why I like my quilt. Cause I like the meat and the eggs. You get the eggs too. And I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so, the bottom line is there, there's just, just a lot of things you can do. There's so many. And, 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 and for me, I can't imagine my life without growing food now. You know, I mean, mm, even if yeah. we weren't, didn't have whatever's going on in the world right now, it's just so enjoyable and so pleasant and so fun. Uh, yeah. So. Oh yeah. The, 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 yeah, just the lifestyle of growing your own food and putting food on your plate every day that you've, you know, raised in your, your yard, no matter where you live. Um, it's an amazing feeling to know that you can do that and you're not depending on the supply chain to keep that yeah. coming. If, if push comes to shove. Yeah. And the and the flavors, you know, and the taste. Yep. Yeah, and how good you feel, and 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 really the pride in you know, like uh, uh, I had a farmer friend over, and I, I I had a rabbit rabbit and cooked her rabbit, and she said, "Wow, this is delicious!" And I said, "Yeah, I know. Thank you." <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, you, and you know what's in it. <laughs> that's I know exactly what's in it. You know, that's yeah. another reason about raising your own stuff, like um, organ meats are the most nutritionally dense food that you can produce in your backyard. And if you look, and now I'm, I grew up in an era when like liver on Fridays was kind of mandatory by all the mothers, <laughs> you know, and we hated liver, liver and onions. Uh, but now I under, totally understand why my mom was pushing liver. Like it's just got so much nutrients in it, but I would never eat a liver from the commercial food system, I mean, liver is basically a filtration organ. Oh, yeah. If 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 I've raised the rabbits, I know exactly what they've been eating. You know, I know it's clean. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so uh, and, but that's a superfood. Oh, my goodness, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So uh, you said you had like three main areas. So you obviously yeah. meat production. So then garden is yeah. one of so them. So the probably, rabbits, right? yeah, a garden <laughs> and. And it's not a real large garden. I'm, I'm only talking about a hundred square foot garden. Uh, yeah. I was I was living in Colorado for a couple of years, uh, high desert on the on the western slope, and uh, and you know you have a very short growing season there. And I just had two fifty square foot beds. I like to recommend raised beds, um, made out of cinder blocks, two cinder blocks high, mm-hmm. filled with as the goodest soil as you can possibly get. Uh, yeah, and I grew so much. In just a hundred square feet, and like I was giving away stuff, I was freezing stuff, I was canning stuff, I was drying stuff, uh, and I had more than enough for a whole year for myself in terms of just vegetables and uh, you know produce. So it's astonishing. Even as a beginner, it's astonishing what you can grow in just a hundred mm-hmm. square feet. So people are thinking, "Oh, I don't want to have to work with acres." No, not at all. A hundred square feet, you know, that's two fifty square foot beds. You can produce a huge amount. So, um, but gardens in general are not 
as calorically dense, right? And and uh, protein and fat are the most difficult macronutrients. Fat is the most difficult macronutrient to produce. And I, if you think about it, there are no fatty vegetables in your garden, like no, that eggplant, no fat, you know, the carrots, the lettuce, there's no, you know, <laughs> so there are not a lot of, um, there's not as much caloric density, but but there's there's also a lot of nutrition. There's a lot of fiber. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of carbohydrates, and and you need that. Mm-hmm. You also do need to have some diversity, and that's why I have three. Uh, so years ago, I don't know if you remember Scott and Arena Pittman over uh, north of um, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and they have the the Permaculture Institute over there. Okay, yeah, yeah, lovely. I, I haven't been by there in a few years, but um, I went. I happened to go there. Oh my gosh, I might be dating myself. Now I think it's like eight years ago. <laughs> and um the year before, so they mostly had a, a food forest and and livestock, right? And they really weren't into annual gardens. And you know, they were like kind of the permaculture the permaculture thing is, you know, perennials and livestock and and they didn't have a lot of annual gardens. And uh, uh so I was doing an interview with with Anna actually, and or Arena, I'm sorry, Arena, and um the year before, they'd had a really sudden early freak freeze that killed a whole bunch of, you know, the, the fruit trees they had were mature, so they were okay. But almost any branch smaller than like an inch or an inch and a half died off. Wow. And it set back f- fruit and nut production at least a year, if not two years. So, it, you know, fortunately, they, they were going to still have their trees intact, but that food source was going to be gone for a year or two. And they had their livestock. And so there there she was. She had had an annual garden. She's like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is what you got to do. <laughs> so yeah. you do you do want to have a diversity of things, but I really recommend starting with a garden. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. A small one and some chickens and some rabbits for the easiest things to do. You know, the, the building the rabbit hutches or building the rabbit tractors. Mm-hmm. Build. This is all stuff you can even do it in the Grow Network. Now we have a whole course on how to use recycled materials to build mm-hmm. this kind of thing. Um, and and there are a lot of materials available, uh, even if you know if you can't go out and buy it. Um, yeah. So you can you can totally do it. I love that. I mean, that's to me, that's exactly what folks who are interested in it, who always just keep putting it off and keep putting it off. This is what they need. They need to have a something that it's they can get into it in an affordable way um, and, and just have it laid out for them. Like you pursue these things and you can put some food on your table. And And I just think that's so important. We need to be putting we need to have some system set up to be putting some food from our property on our tables regularly for sure. Yeah. And the more of us that, that have these skills, then the easier it's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, there, there is, you know, so the tagline for the Grow Network is homegrown food on every table. And uh, honestly, it's kind of like a tongue in cheek joke, because one way or another, there is going to be homegrown food on every table. If you <laughs> choose to do it now, you can do it and and, and learn it and under really great conditions. I think it was, it, uh, 
Ooh, who has that saying? The permaculturist that has a saying, you know, the early adopters have the advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can do it later. But ed- eventually, it's all going to be homegrown food on every table. Yeah, I mean, you don't know what, what the future holds, but yeah, well, for they're, sure. They're I mean, completely unsustainable. I, I you feel know, like that. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, it, it's just you got dead soil and you're just keeping it alive with this. You know, we're growing food in you know, synthetic fertilizers and whatnot. And the soil is just, you look at the soil, it's just dead. I mean, there's, there's no life in it. And it's hard to, it's hard to see that being able to continue on and on and on and creating food, you know, nutrient dense food of any kind. It's really not, it's just producing calories, but no nutrient dense food. Well, and there's just the simple math of like uh, yeah. uh, that statistic. It takes 10 calories of energy, whether it's petroleum or whatever, to you know, to get one calorie of food on your table, that is completely unsustainable. That ain't that yeah. ain't gonna work, right? You know, and yeah. and then as you're saying with the nutrition being gone, it's Sally Fallon over there at the Western Price Foundation. She, I said, Sally, can I use this? And she said, please do. And and she calls it the um, uh, the um, the natural selection of the wise. And and she's you know she and Joel Salatin are joking around like yeah all these people who are eating all this not not food is they're gonna die off and I'm like okay uh, <laughs> you know but it, it's yeah. sad because it's just it's just a lot of uh, yeah they're like, just not educated in it. I mean I didn't I didn't yeah. know I mean you, yeah, right? you you're told yeah. one thing and you you grow up that way and you eat what's on your plate and comes from a store you just put some trust in the system and and you know you yeah. don't. You don't know. And, and, and there's a, that nutritional panel on the back that says it has this and that and the other in it, right? Yeah. Theoretically, well, you, right? Yeah, you get that triangle. They teach you that little food triangle, you know, in school that seems like it's pretty much upside down. <laughs> yeah, right. Totally. Like, yeah, well, that's kid, right. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's not right. And that's, and that's because the carbohydrates that they are promoting as the base of it can be mechanized and are easier for them to produce. Yeah. So, absolutely. You know, it's a whole thing. Yeah. I mean, we could go down all kinds of rabbit trails on, on all that stuff. We sure but could, yeah, yeah. The bottom line is, I mean, if you want to, you want to, put healthy food on your plate. You want to be more sustainable. You want to be more self-sufficient. You want to be more, uh, in a position of preparedness in case things got worse or, you know, and probably will at some point, um, start growing some food. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Start figuring out a way to, you know, produce food in your, in your yard. And even if you're, like you said, in an apartment, there's things you can do. You know, I know folks that are growing a lot of microgreens and sprouts in their kitchen and they're eating a salad a day made up of microgreens, you know, and I mean, just things like that. And you can do that year round in a kitchen. So, I mean, there's just so many things you can do. And I love that you're putting together a system that enables folks to be able to, to do that in, in a simple way. What? What uh, what was the URL we decided on for people to get to the webinar? It was um, you go to smalltownhomestead.com forward slash grow. And if you head there, then there'll be that free webinar. And yeah. I just go into boom, ba boom, ba boom. Here's what you do. First step, second step, third step, regardless of the season. Um, you know, you'll come away with an action plan. You'll be inspired and motivated and you'll understand why you're doing what you're doing and you'll know mm-hmm. what it can produce and 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 you'll be able to get going. So yeah. that's the whole purpose. So important. Uh, well, I hope folks will definitely head over there and check it out, especially if, if they're just maybe they feel stuck and they just feel like, well, what's my next step? You know, this is this is where they need to go and just get that plan and start and start engaging and putting it to work. And um, it won't be very long at all. And you'll have some uh, you have some good food on your plate right from your own hands and what you did in your backyard. So good. I. Yeah. It'll be the best thing you've ever done. You'll look back on it and you go, I don't know what I was so afraid of. 
That's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just, it's something that needs to happen for you if you care at all about what you're putting in your body for sure, and yeah. if you care at all about always having something to put in your. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, who knows, right? We don't know yeah, where the world's going. Yeah. But well, Marjorie, I appreciate everything you're doing in this movement, and uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and 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 giving folks, uh, you know, some some wisdom on 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 where they can take their next steps and how they can get some food on their plate. Harold, thank you so much for having me.